we went to Comedy Central, and I swear to God, before we went into Comedy Central, as we're pulling up out front, he goes, if you get ripped off, these are the guys that are going to rip you off. I swear, he said that. I couldn't believe it. So we go in, and they were the only production company out of all the eight, nine, ten other ones we went to that said they weren't interested. And then a year, year and a half later, they came up with Reno 911. All right, this is uh, Tool Shed Art Club, and we're sitting here with Shay DeCan, the owner and founder of 88 Tactical, but he's more than just that. And your weight, I want to I preface this. You're just a creative guy overall because your, your building here is beautiful. Oh, you know, like, better get up in the microphone here. I, uh, Thank you. I actually even, when I was here last week with you guys, like <clears throat> I was leaving, going to the elevator, and there was a dude, it must have been his first time in here, or he's new, and he was just going, this building is the most, this place oh, is really? awesome. Like oh, telling one awesome. of your, you know, one of your employees and just going on and on about it. But you are doing like really cool stuff like um, Every Man's Dream, hidden, a hidden door, bookshelf, you know, that open up, elevator up to a speakeasy and stuff like that. So you've always had a creative bone in your body and you started out... Kind of, that's what I wanted to talk to you about is because we've talked about you doing stand-up, yeah. you know, and I just got pieces like here and there. Super successful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's how you, you took all the money you made from stand-up oh, and opened yeah. this place. Poured it into this, <laughs> that, and a lot of the meth I was selling. Nice. Then, uh, started uh, uh, Signal 88 Security. No. Yeah. I, I am. Um, you want me to start from the kind yeah, of Yeah. Like I, I just kind of, yeah. Like how did you. How'd you get into stand-up? What made you want to do stand-up in the first place? I don't, uh, you know, I sucked at school. I was terrible in school. I, I, I was always, you know, I was the, the dude that was daydreaming and always wanted to cut things, cut corners. I just couldn't stay in school. I just didn't have the attention span. And back then it was like, you know, ADD was, I'm 55. So, I mean, ADD was kind of known, but it's not like now where it's a big fucking deal. Yeah. Um, so it constantly kept my attention elsewhere outside of the classroom. And if you didn't have like a, a teacher that was up on a unicycle juggling flaming bowling pins, telling filthy jokes, I wasn't going to pay you attention. And, you and I are very similar yeah. in that regard. Failed French one three times. Yeah. I had to do night school for math just oh, to really? graduate. Yeah. Like okay. I just, if, but, but if it was something that I liked, yeah. you know, then I was, I was dialed in. Exactly. I was in a stupid math class cause I was just terrible. I just yeah. was, I shouldn't have the attention span. I didn't, it was more important for me to be a squirrel and just be the class clown and make friends and network. So when I got out of high school, I remember telling my parents, you know, I hated school so much that, you know, when I finished, I wasn't going to go to college. And of course, back then, a little bit different now, you know, in, in, in pushing that path. Yeah. Um, but at the time, my parents were like, you don't have a choice. You're going to go to college. You're going to find some other place to live. You won't live here under a roof unless you go to college. So I was like, well, I got to do something. Um, I ended up joining the Coast Guard. But then after I was out of the Coast Guard, it was the reserves. I came back and I started dabbling and doing stand-up. It was something I always wanted to play around with. And of course, my cousin, Jeff DeGan, being the radio personality, he's funny as all get up. And Jeff and I would do these home videos since we were little kids. And I've had, seen some of these videos. Oh, they're horrible. Back <laughs> at, at some point, you yeah, one of you had sent them. And I, oh. I loved them, though, that you guys were making them. It's just stupid shit. Yeah. I mean, just <laughs> dumb stuff. I, I always felt bad because we'd have our family gatherings, you know, around the holidays. And that was our big thing. That's all we did at the holidays, you know, Christmas and Thanksgiving. We'd film and then we would force our parents to sit and watch it. And it hadn't been so cringe for them. Yeah. And so the longest forced. scenes ever. <laughs> they, like they thought it was fun. And like, oh, that's great. Oh, like, yeah. like checking. They're like, what the yeah. hell is it? Where the hell did I go wrong? What inspired you to even start making videos in the first place? Or your comedians that were like, hey, I'm going to give this a shot. Uh, Second City Television. SCTV. Okay. So Martin Short, John Candy, uh, Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara. All, all of those who've gone on to have huge careers, acting careers. We were just absolute SCTV junkies. Do you even know what Second City Television was? I did not. It was a Canadian show. Yeah. Are you familiar with it? Yeah, dude, you got to check it out, Oh, my man. God. I mean, they even released records. I have a, one of their records really? with like a bunch of their bits on it. Yeah. Oh, it's it's amazing. I mean, yeah. it, it really is amazing. It's very campy. It, it really kind of catered to our style of, 
of humor. Yeah. Very dark humor. Uh, my dad is very, very funny. My uncle was Jeff's dad, passed away many years ago. Just an absolute freaking riot. Just like genius sense of humor. And so what did he end up doing for a living? Uh, he worked, he had his own truck transport company. Okay. Um, and then my dad was in the real estate, uh, commercial real estate industry for years. Okay. But extremely well connected in Omaha, personable dudes, you know, great sense of hum- senses of humor and networked to the gills. So I, watching Second City Television um, really kind of pushed us towards some of the crazy ideas and, and making funny skits. It got to the point where our basement my, at my parents' house, it was unfinished. And we built, literally built a set, a silly ass set, painted, had a kitchen table, and we had a screen door, and we did these jacked up videos that always took place in the same setting. But I could only imagine how much fun you and Jeff were having. Oh, we had a blast. <laughs> like, and how hard you guys were laughing <clears throat> together. Yeah. It was, we didn't give a shit if the, if our yeah. parents didn't laugh and we was like, well, if it makes sense. Laugh, Ex- yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's no different than, I mean, you did comedy and you still yeah, are doing no, comedy. Yeah. Still the, yeah. the same thing. You know, we, uh, we've talked on a prior episode about, um, you know, in high school, I didn't want to write papers. So I convinced three of my classes to just let me make movies because iMovie just really? came out. So me and Adam Devine and two others, we made three films in high school. You got to be kidding. And that was accepted. They, they, they accepted that. it. And one of them was so like for creative writing. Um, it was just one where like I go running cause Forrest Gump inspires me. And then these two hillbillies, uh, run me over and tie me to a tree and uh, put cow milkers on me and milk me. And they're squirting. I've seen that on Pornhub. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the video? You're big hit, about? big someone, hit. Well, since Adam showed his dick so many times, someone might've put it up there. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's milk squirting and then they're like throing ranch on me and eating it off. And it, the, te- yeah, the, the teacher was like, one kid laughed because he was so disturbed. What? But then like they got less weird. And then the, the end one was gone for the day where we skipped school and go on this adventure but same sort of um, deal where you just you don't even really care you just want to make something yeah 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 it's it's a release of that creative energy and it's such an important thing yeah. i mean I, these kids nowadays are so i sound so old when i'm like these kids these kids nowadays with what you have with a cell phone with the iphone yeah. and the ability to film high quality much better than we just had that conversation the other day at lunch with randy we were talking yep. about it just the power that you hold in just that iPhone and then all the editing software. Yeah. So cheap, cheap, because back in the day, it was editing from one deck to another deck and it was a painstaking process. And now yeah. it's like effortless. Like when was your first stand-up show? When were you like, all right, I'm going to give this a shot? Uh, I don't even know if I recall. I just know that there was an open mic night uh, down at Duffy's down in Lincoln at the bar down there. And do you remember Mark Gross? Of, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's a... He's, written for so many shows now he has a ton yeah. yeah so mark was just doing stand-up comedy at the time he was my inspiration became buddies with him and he and red i can't remember red's real name another dude that was down there and kind of the face of duffy's uh open mic night um mike Meehan. i don't know if you know mike Meehan. yeah that sounds very familiar. um advertising agency here uh clark creative He's okay one of the big shots over there mike is probably one of the most um uh intelligent uh, just a genius comedian and writer, just a riot. So he was doing stand-up. He just started doing it. Talked me into doing it, went down there and bombed. Absolutely freaking bombed. But it was so much fun because all my friends were there and they were laughing and I didn't care what anybody else. I think it was the first time somebody literally yelled that you suck. <laughs> <laughs> like you see in the comedy skits where like, you suck. And it's like, that doesn't really, you know what happens? Yeah, I've it happens. The, I got yelled at. Do you at. remember any of the jokes from that first time? I remember telling a really dumb joke. My dad um, used to wear um, Old Spice yeah. all the time. And for some reason, he had this hack that you could pour. Oh, this is so stupid. Pour Old Spice in like an ashtray because they smoke and light it on fire. And it would kind of make the house smell good. And oh, yeah. so I start... <laughs> imparting this knowledge, you know, to the crowd. And I said, I don't, you know, who would have known, but I said, I poured it in her, lit it on fire. And well, I caught the entire house on fire and killed everybody inside, <laughs> but it smelled really nice. And I, that was one of the dumb jokes that I used to tell. Yeah. And you know, the rule of thumb, you try it three, four, five times. Right. Up it, and yeah. Right. The and then it's, time, it's I, so hard. Like when you, when you like the joke, 
Like yeah. there's sometimes where I've been really stubborn and I'm like, <laughs> I know that no one will laugh at this yeah. next joke, not letting go. but I, but I'm saying it, you know, <laughs> even having someone yell, you suck. Some could be better than absolute silence. Cause when I dabbled in comedy, I just had absolute silence. And I had a joke where I said, <laughs> I worst. said, uh, you know, old guys are like the guardian angels of the gym. If you ever have an issue, you drop the bar on you, they will be the ones who save you. But their payment in return is that they get to walk around the locker room completely naked and like a whole room f- silence. And then one guy who like the one guy who obviously lifted weights afterwards was like, hey, that was funny. And I was like, I think you're the only guy in here that yeah, gets well, it because you're the only the guy that. Yeah, 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 you're the yeah. only guy in here that lifts weights. So, well, you mm. could have laughed or <laughs> chuckled. Yeah, I've only had my worst show of my entire life where it was just like silence. And so weird is. Um, you know, I was in my early twenties and my act was that of like an early twenties and super just abstract and weird. And I had a show for the, uh, uh, shiners and it was just all the old dudes in their hats. That sounds horrible. Yeah. They all, they all pulled in in their go-karts. The whole parking (laughs) lot was packed. And then they came in and just stared at me. And luckily, like, I was just the feature. And this other dude from Lincoln, I could see him He's pacing the back. But I knew, like, I could feel the energy in the room. And, like, I saw how old they were in their hats that I I was, like, I got paid right. I'm like, hey, man, uh, can I get that check real quick? Because I knew. I'm like, this is not going to go well. And it did not. I love it. I love it. How long did you have to sit in that? That silence? Yeah. I did, like, 20 minutes. Oh, and that's just, dude, I, that's an eternity. Like, there's oh, a yeah. part of your soul that's still that's there. Terrible. That's for yeah. that's a long time. I remember doing a show up in Fayetteville. They call it in North Carolina, Vietnam, because it's where the main military base army bases. <laughs> it was Holiday Inn, and it was a room that was packed, 400 people. I was so excited to come roll up, and I see my name up on the sign, and I'm featuring, and uh, and I'm nervous as hell. And I go in, and they got the cheesy board, and it's got my eight by ten headshot where I used to have hair, and. And I was just like, wow, I can't believe my dream's coming true. I was yeah. So yeah. I get up on stage. First of all, the MC gets up there and just bombs. Just bomb. Not one person's paying attention to the crowd. They're all talking the entire time. No security. No one's coming over and telling them to keep quiet. And I'm like, I'm fucking dead. I'm dead. I'm gonna, <laughs> this is going to be so painful. It's not even funny. And do you remember Drew Hastings? Um, You've I, been on Johnny Carson, a bunch of really, really funny comedians. Yeah, yeah, I, I I know the name. You probably recognize him. You saw him. So Drew was the headliner, and he could tell I was nervous as hell. And he goes, don't worry about it. He goes, here's the thing. He goes, all you have to do, and he gave me the best piece of advice, all you have to do is make the other comics laugh. He said, fuck everybody else. He said, you make me laugh, and he said, you're golden. That, is, was good. Like, that is good advice. And that, so I was like, wow. And then it completely made me feel at ease and then i got up on stage and just bombed it was horrible it was horrible i think i was done in like 10 minutes or whatever and i i had had it in my head that i was like well listen if i don't get paid i don't get paid i'm not gonna fight i'm not gonna fight for it so i go in the back and and it was so bad no one is listening i go in the back and and drew goes yes and he goes he's high-fiving me and then i started feeling better and i was laughing and i thought oh this is gonna be interesting to see what you know pro like drew does and he goes out there and not one person's listening to him and he didn't give a shit and he played right into it so he's like uh you know some of you may have seen me on the johnny carson show before they keep talking he goes yeah absolutely yes uh, one of my one of my favorite times so if you guys know of any jokes can recall a joke that i told on the carson show and you want me to tell it just holler it out Uh, one at a time guys (laughs) and he did this for like 10 15 minutes Nobody picked up on it. I was in tears, <laughs> laughing my ass off. And finally he goes, okay, thank you. <laughs> Dropped the mic, goes, fuck off. Walks <laughs> off and about got in a fist fight with the, uh, the hotel manager because the hotel manager wasn't going to pay him. I got paid my hundred bucks. Yeah. And this is back in 1989, 1990. Oh, dang. Dude, sometimes wow. you snap. I saw a clip once with, of Dane Cookie on at a heckler. And then afterwards he's like, all right, we have the energy of like daddy hitting mommy at the dinner table here. Uh, <laughs> which, which, so the first time that I saw Austin, he opened up for Steve-O. It was kind of, I was thinking about this last night. This is what's weird. Was it Steve-O or Theo? It was Steve-O. First time, or. It was Theo. Oh, it was Theo. Yeah, All right, either Theo. way. Yeah. First time awesome. I saw. Oh, first time I see Austin, um, he's opening up for Theo Vaughn. First time Austin <laughs> sees me, I'm opening up for uh, Mitch McVicker, who's like a Christian artist that uh, Austin likes, right? And then we actually met 
together at church. So it was, I, I didn't think about that, that we both saw each other for the first time yeah. opening up for someone else. But either way, at the Steve-O show that I was at, um, the St- no, 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 this is Steve-O. Oh, okay. Like Steve-O just had to correct somebody. Confused. Yeah, sorry. Their names Theo are so Steve-O. similar. Yeah, so Steve-O from Jackass, uh, he had to correct somebody and it was weird to see like how out of line do you have to be for Steve-O to be like, hey, yeah. you need to stop. But some guy, yeah. Steve-O said at the end of my, uh, hey, at the end of my set here, um, I'll go out there, you can meet me. And this drunk guy stood up and was like, I'm gonna fucking meet Steve-O and started yelling. And Steve was like, hey, dude, stop. And then it was like, okay, I've never thought you'd see Steve-O like correct somebody, but okay. <laughs> this is what he's like when he's not taking every drug on earth. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I opened for him in Denver right when he was getting into stand-up. Yeah. And he lit his head on fire for his closer. And then That's like a great hairspray, light it, and then does a backflip and it goes out, right? So um, the first night, he took that for, I used to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what ends up happening. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, you're a thief. Third, third. Is that what happened to you? You just kept doing Steve that. Steve over Steve hack. He st- stole yeah. my shit. <laughs> doing that in the 90s. I was, I was doing that back in 1980. I was doing that when you were in clown yeah. school. <laughs> you know, you I went to clown school. Right after yeah. he got out of Vietnam. So he lights his head on fire and they have a door guy standing there with the fire extinguisher just in case something goes wrong. So listen, <laughs> he lights his head on fire. I'm all the way in the back in the Denver Improv's a big room. And he lights his head on fire does a backflip, it goes out, the door guy panics and just starts spraying him with a fire extinguisher and everyone in the front row in the face. So I am laughing, I'm like dying. Like he's like, but there's a white cloud so he doesn't realize like he's just, everybody's screaming. I hope somebody got that on video. There's a, probably, because it was probably like 2010 or, you know, it was a while ago. And there's exit doors on both sides of the stage. They had to open them up and get everyone out of there because really? of the fumes. And so, you know, that night he didn't get to sell oh merch or meet God. any fans, but it was awesome. That <laughs> is hilarious. And then Steve will probably had that as part of his act at every show. Yeah. Yeah, dude. That is funny as hell. Yeah, dude. And here's the fire yeah. extinguisher. I had a guy threaten uh, my life. I was in South Beloit, Illinois, right on the border. What is it? Indiana or Wisconsin? I'm an idiot, idiot ge- geographically. And it was at this little dive bar. I'll never forget there was like this balcony set up up top. And everybody started pouring in. And I'm watching this thing. And they had like this banister. And it was like all creaky. And it was going to break. It was like made made of fucking balsa wood. And all these people were up there. It was the most odd setup in this shitty little bar. And I'm doing a feature at. I was a feature there. And it's just nonstop up there. People talking. So use your... Typical bands, yeah. where'd you learn how to whisper a fucking helicopter? <laughs> somebody yells something, sir, you should have come here wearing a condom on your head because you act like a dick, you ought to dress like one. Yeah. Right? And what's your name? <laughs> I can't read your belt buckle from here. All those fucking old school, right? Yeah. So I'm burning through them all. And in my head, I'm like, what else? I got to come up with something else. Because everyone's laughing except this group up top. Yeah. And he yells something else out. Some motherfucker. And I go, you know, your mom... Uh, I was talking to your mom earlier tonight. And she told me you were going to be a real problem. I said, but I mean, after she went, Boom, she told me. And he goes, I'm going to fucking kill you. And I laugh and no one up to, I go, oh, he's going to kill me. No one's laughing. No one's laughing. He goes, no, I'm going to fucking kill you. And I was like, <laughs> so I do the rest of my bit and it just, I bomb. And I get off stage. I'm not even old enough to drink. I go over to the bar and I was like, can I get a Coke? Coca-Cola, please? The guy goes, you should probably go. <laughs> you should probably go. And I go, I look at him, I laugh. And he goes, no, seriously, that's Daryl. He'll kill you. <laughs> that's Daryl. They all knew him. He was some nut job from the town. So I was like, oh, it sounds good. Got my brown Ford Taurus and I got the fuck out of there. It was terrible. Daryl is no. going to kill he you. He want to give me a Coke. He's like, you should go. He's not a heckler. He's going to kill you. He does not understand humor. Daryl will murder you. So uh, if I want to, I, I really wanted to ask you this, you know, uh, hopefully we're not jumping forward too much, but so you're an officer for a while. I, I imagine you've got a good sense of humor. So does that help when you're on a call? If someone's like being belligerent to you, because I always think when people would talk shit to me, I always would try to think if it's objectively funny and if you're being funny when you make fun of me, then I can appreciate it. But yeah. when you're just being shitty, it's not yeah. obviously funny. So were there times where someone was like cussing you out or something and you thought, ah, that guy's got a good point or that was kind of funny? <laughs> Never. 
I was never sarcastic with people. <laughs> and that was the that was the fun part. So I was a cop for twenty three years. Worked for three different agencies. So before, like, did you transition out of stand up into becoming a cop, or so did you kind of did they overlap at all? Coast Guard was the first move because I had failed so severely in college. My parents said, "Hey, hmm. well, I'll back up." So I grew up Millard, did terrible in school. Older brother, very intelligent. Younger sister, very intelligent. I was a dipshit in the family and. And my mom worked through Creighton University. She's a nurse and worked through pediatrics. And at the time, they would give you free tuition. Yeah. You could either take it and pay a higher salary, or you take a smaller salary and you get free tuition for your kids. So my older brother got into Creighton. He ended up graduating summa cum laude. Really, very, very intelligent guy. And then it was my turn. I went to prep and uh, failed the entire time. They were like, we're going to send you to prep because you're really dumb. <laughs> and hopefully it's going to straighten you out and make you smart. Well, you... That didn't happen. Yeah. So they get my transcripts, Great University does, and they're like, no, I think we'll pass on this one. <laughs> so I don't get accepted into Creighton, free tuition. So I go to UNO and my parents are like, we'll pay the first four years, but it's got to be consecutive. You got to pass. If there's any break whatsoever, it's on you. I was like, okay. So I skip my uh, finals on the in the first semester. I get put on academic probation. I skip my finals. In the second semester, I get... I get uh, suspended, academically, academically suspended for a year. So I panic. I'm like, what the hell am I going to tell my parents? I gotta, I'm going to have to bullshit, right? I can't tell them the fucking truth. So my grades <laughs> end up coming to the mailbox, and I snatch them ahead of time. And it was the old uh, tab tear off, and you peel it back. It's that carbon paper. Well, back then, we had typewriters, you know, so I get the typewriter out. It's the exact <laughs> same fucking font. I got lucky, and I just was trying stuff. I took an eraser and could erase it. It erased. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I put in a typewriter and I kachunk and I'm I'm not gonna put like an A because it'll be sure. obvious. So oh I'm my like, god, D. it's gonna work. Yeah, it, for the F's, I'm like D, C nice. plus. Nice. I just kept them, you know, where it looked legit to a degree. <laughs> and my, my mom, I come into the house and I act like I tear the tab off, got my great shoes. Uh uh, give it here. Takes it out of my hand. I'm like, geez. And she opens it up, she goes, oh. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Look at you. A D plus, a C, C plus. I was like, I told you I was going to work hard. So <laughs> I was like, I need, I'm going to take a year off though. And they were like, why would you take a year off? You're doing so well. Like, I don't know. My dad's like, if you're going to take a year off, you're going to have a full-time job or you're going to join the military. And I was like, I'm fucked because I, I don't want to work. You were like, I have to yeah. escape here yeah. now before they find out yeah. the true grades. Yeah, yeah seriously. So I, I jumped, uh, it was the Coast Guard or the Marine Corps. And at the time, Top Gun was out. And I remember. Hell yeah. It's so simple thinking. So simple minded. I was 18. Right. Such a dipshit. I'm like, I like that motorcycle. It's a cool ninja. You got a ninja <laughs> racing on the fucking pier with a plane. I won't do that. And I'm like, where, where can I do that? I'm going to join the Coast Guard. <laughs> so literally, it's just the, the government propaganda worked for you. I get to ride motorcycles and have sex with chicks. We're going to give you a leather coat and a ninja. Hell you yeah. know, what do you think is your signing bonus? I mean, you know, the yeah. volleyball, but the volleyball might be a little gay, but hey, I gotta make compromises. I, I mean, so if sweet. I gotta play volleyball with some dudes to bang some chicks, that's yeah. Yeah. So I joined the Coast Guard. I went in with a buddy, did the buddy system, joined the reserves, went through firefighting, uh, law enforcement, uh, school. And you were a sniper in the Coast Guard? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and loved it. And it was the law enforcement bug that absolutely bit me. So then when I came back, um, it really caused me to grow up quite a bit. Then I went back to UNO and was on the Dean's list. Uh, got a 4.0, uh, basket weaving, gymnastics, and a couple of those really difficult courses that I was taking. Hell yeah. Just kidding. I actually had some <laughs> difficult courses and I got a 4.0 and made the Dean's list and was like, I knew I could do it. I wanted to prove that I could do it. And then I never finished. I yeah. just, I still haven't finished to this day, but um, I knew I wanted to become a cop. I was just, I love the adrenaline mm. and did a couple ride-alongs with some friends of mine through the Martial Arts Academy, uh, Joe Bowdler, who's an absolute stud. Went out with Joe with the Omaha Police Department, and I was like, that's it. This is what I would do. We jumped a couple curbs, went to a shooting. I'm in the back seat sliding all over the place. I'm like, this is the shit. <laughs> what what year? Your, what was your favorite part of it? 90, 91, I think. 92, okay. 91, 92. Hmm? What was your favorite part of it, of that night? The, uh, the shootout, jumping the curbs, the truth, or was it all that you could do whatever the fuck you wanted as a cop? I mean, just like the rules of the road didn't apply. I mean, it's hauling ass. It was the adrenaline, jumping curbs, going around cars, and just being that, dude. That's the exact same thing that Pat Moose told me. 
Is that what he told you? Yeah, too? Really? that he—that's what he misses the most. Yeah, just like they're too few and far yeah. between. Oh, There's dude, I did a couple ride along around, going yeah. every like call. Yeah. yeah, and the older you get, the less inclined you are to do that stupid shit because you just you become, um, you know, you're more, like I'm more gonna, experienced, yeah. and you and you acknowledge the the dangers, right? The liability. Yeah, you know, getting into pursuits. Every cop, new cop, is like, I want to get in foot pursuits. Excuse me, I wanted to get into vehicle pursuits, but then you start seeing some of the collateral damage that occurs because of that. And then especially when you have a family. And when I had kids, I'm like, yeah. wow, there were other people, you know, innocent motoring public. And if I chase somebody for a traffic infraction, whatever the case, it's a different deal if it's a felony. You know, if somebody's running, they've robbed a bank or they've assaulted somebody or killed somebody, it's a different story. Um, but you start realizing, wow, I could be ultimately responsible for somebody losing their life. Yeah. You know, so it really changes the game. But when you started, when you'd pull people over, were you sitting in your car like, please run, please run? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Back, back to your original question. So on, the, on a comedy side, I mean, it, there are two different aspects of that, right? So, you know, oftentimes you get really bored with doing what you're doing because it becomes mundane. I'm not saying traffic stops are routine and they're mundane. Anything can happen, right? So you always have to be on your toes. You always have to be prepared. But you do, like, the majority of the calls you take, of course, this is Douglas County Sheriff's Office. It was intrusion alarms yeah you know it's the same thing over and over and over and that's the stuff that ends up killing cops because you get stuck in a certain rut and you just make assumptions that hey 99.9 percent of these alarms are false yeah. but it could be that one tenth of a percent you roll up and it's somebody burglarizing that place that's armed and then shit goes south complacency kills completely so um you you know we'd make fun out of the different things that we would do. And sometimes we would incorporate the people if they were, if they had a sense of humor. And then other times you would just do it between the officers, like super troopers, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah here's yeah. the deal. You'd pull shit like that stick sh like that. It was fun. It made the day go by faster, but there was one dude that I pulled over. This is absolute right. He was speeding. <clears throat> I come into the car and he goes, Hey man. And uh, I go, how's it going? He goes, good. He goes, uh, Oh, you're probably going to write me a ticket. I know I speed. And he said, does it help if I tell you I know a cop? And I go, well, it depends on who it is. He said, well, I like the cop. I go, you're getting a ticket. And I start <laughs> laughing. He goes, no, no, it's a dude I work out with all the time. Gold's Jim. He's a good friend of mine. Shay Deegan. And I'm looking at him like, it's my last name is pr pronounced Degan. Number so, one. And I don't even recognize the guy. And I'm and my nameplate says S period M period Degan. Whoa. Didn't even look at my nameplate. And I go, huh. I go, uh, I don't know if I know that guy. I said, all right, sit tight. And I'm like, oh, you dirty little bitch. Yeah, so I, go, yeah, I go back to my cruiser and I, and I never scratched out tickets. I'd always walk up to cars and I'd say, hey, listen, needs your driver's license, registration, proof of insurance. I'm going to preface this by saying, if you're honest with me and you tell me why you think I pulled you over, I'm not going to write you a ticket. And I said, I mean that. And yeah. then I go, I'm an idiot. I ran that stoplight. It was blatant. I go, okay, sit tight. It'd be a fix it ticket. And they were like, no way. And I'm like, put that on your refrigerator to remind you that you got off easy and it's a rarity and that there are good cops who are out there. And oftentimes, in my opinion, positive reinforcement was far better than negative reinforcement. Yeah, of course. You know, because you're less inclined to do it again. You're like, man, I got lucky that one time and man, cops are pretty cool. I want to leave a good taste in their mouths as well. Now they're assholes who deserve to be written tickets. So I come back into the car and I... He goes, oh, man, he goes, you must not like the guy. And I go, well, some days I don't. <laughs> I go, because Shay Deegan is me. And he goes, what's up, brother? And then puts his fist out. He doubled down. He doubled, he doubled down. down. And I immediately burst into tears laughing. I fist bump him. And he goes, I figured I'd try. I figured I'd try, bro. <laughs> and I grabbed his ticket. I was laughing so hard and I tore it up. And I said, you made my fucking day to get out of Dude, here. Dude, that's goes, hilarious. So he knew some people I knew. So, and so he had a, a fantastic sense of humor. Oh, yeah. He totally he's did. Like, I, I laughed. The way he did, he goes, what's up, bro? That's insane. I couldn't believe it. Double down. Yeah. I, he was good. Gaslighting yeah, you right there. Completely. I wanted to uh, ask you, uh, taking a turn real quick, did you know and work with Jimmy Wilson Jr.? I knew Jimmy not extremely well. I worked down at Crossroads Mall Security. And they had what was called the stop unit down there, strategy to overcome peer pressure. So it was a unit, a different division. And Jimmy was brand new. Of course, his dad had been on. And just yeah, was of course. Iconic, you know, homicide investigator, old school cop. Um, and Jimmy was one of the nicest kids you could ever meet. Just a super good dude. Very friendly. I didn't know him that well, but 
So much so, he was such a nice guy that I remember going out downtown. I was at a bar, and I couldn't believe he remembered me. I'd met him several times and bullshitted with him, but he saw me from afar, and he goes, what's up, Shay? Waved, wow. whatever, bullshitted with him for a few minutes. Just a super down-to-earth, great, great dude. Yeah. What tragic. <clears throat> was there, deal. I've heard this story before, and I don't know if this is just <clears throat> Omaha lore, you know, that's not true at all, but I had heard that, tell me if you've ever heard this, supposedly he was such a good cop that he had a hit out on him from gangs. Now, is that just made up? lore that's probably not true i mean I could, I could be completely wrong but jimmy was far too new to have established himself into some specialty unit yeah. and to have garnered a name for himself but i again i could, I could be completely i had wrong. just heard i had someone tell me that like you know he was new he had made such a name for himself he was a threat and so when he pulled this this uh what van over that yeah. they that there was a hit out on him and they had unloaded but it kind of seems like it was more they freaked out and were ran i mean these kids were like 17, 18, when they when they have like automatic weapons and they just you yeah, pull them over AK-47s and they just unload them. SKS is a Ch- yeah. Chinese version of the AK-47 and it was South Family Bloods. Uh, uh, Jimmy pulled them over and I think they were headed to do a drive-by and a couple of them, I can't remember the name of the shooter, um, bailed out of the sliding door, the right side of the van and then opened fire. Um, I saw the the photographs. It was terrible. Was there anything he could have done to like? Did he pull up too close? You think, or was it just like that's just no? I don't. I don't think so. I mean, he was shot while still on putting the, the call out. Yeah, you know. Um, but I mean, I can tell you that for most cops who pay attention to that sort of thing, it's a learning experience, and you utilize that. And anytime you pull a vehicle over, at least I I do this or did this along with lots of uh, friends of mine who really took officer safety very, very seriously and were good, exceptional cops. When you make a traffic stop, and I worked uh, canine, the canine unit with Douglas County, so I worked yep. interdiction. So all I did for years is work the interstate, uh, you know, going after traffickers. And um, any car that I would pull over, if I saw furtive movement, it took them a little bit longer to pull over, whatever the case is, um, I'd look for all those different signs, pre-incident indicators that would cause me to handle that traffic stop a little bit differently. Yeah. I was always very cautious and always played out in my head, what if this happens? Where am I going for cover, you know, if I have to bail out of my cruiser? Um, so seatbelt would come off before yeah. I even came to a full stop. I'd be off the radio and hung up on the mic before I even stopped. You know, as long as they start pulling over, I hit out. Um, and then I've got my door unlatched and I'm ready to bail yeah. if I have to, because I'm not going to be caught. In that so car. something like that were to happen, what can, a, what is, what are the options for a cop? Cause I feel like that's like the, what do they call the car? The death, the death yeah. trap or whatever. Yeah, it I can mean. be, um, you know, so there's a couple different uh, ideologies behind this. In fact, we teach a class, uh, right there, HTV high threat vehicle engagements. And in fact, that's me on the back of the truck. You know. <laughs> is it? So yeah, no, yeah. You look so good in that photo. We, <laughs> you, thank you. We uh, we teach a class, um, a four or five day course that entails fighting in, over, under, through vehicles, teaching where the points of cover are: A pillar, B pillar, C pillar. Yep. Um, how to maneuver around that vehicle, but the most important part is to take the fight to them. Yep. So you have uh, usually a few seconds before they bail and start putting rounds under the car is if you can start engaging that threat through your windshield, through windshield right? Yep, yep. right? Try to pour a hole through there and we'll teach where the round is going to go as it punk punches through the windshield. Yep. Any idea? Take yeah. 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 So I know that where if you're outside the vehicle versus inside the vehicle, the trajectories are different. What I always forget is which way, and I could be wrong on this, well, but so it's either me standing in front of the vehicle, 10, 15 feet. Yeah. Where are you going to aim to hit me center mass? <sighs> It's either higher or lower, and I think if you're in the vehicle, I'm going to go a little bit higher. I'm going to go lower. Lower. All right. See, I get it mixed up, but yeah, yeah I know you got to have path to offset of least that. resistance. As it goes through the windshield, the matter, the round is deflected up. If oh, you're yeah. into the windshield, yep. um, depending upon your different left and right angle, it doesn't matter what your distance is from that vehicle that angle is always going to be the same. Yep, yep. So if I want to shoot somebody center mass, I'm going to aim for their head. Yep. So it's easier to ambush a vehicle than it is to defend a vehicle. I see. Yeah. Yeah. I knew it was that either up sense. or down. Yeah. I know it's not straight on, you know, yeah. but yeah. And the further they are from the vehicle, the lower you have to shoot. And under extreme duress, you're not aiming. It's pointed fire. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Under extreme duress, unless you're, Delta Force or Special Forces or somebody. Where, where your blood pressure yeah, doesn't that, even go yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah. You have time, distance, 
cover so, that sort of thing. So as you're now a cop and everything, where does the fuzz mm. come into play? Wasn't like, even a cop at the time. I you was, weren't? Nope. Oh, okay. Oh, no. that. Uh, so what year was that? That was 19. Well, the first one is 1991, 92. And that was with Randy, the very first fuzz. Okay. Was just a friend of mine owned, his parents had a spare car and it was an old state trooper vehicle that they got from the Omaha auto auction. So they, their car broke down and he was driving. It had the big antenna on the back and the spotlight, the floodlight and the exterior. The things that cause you to go, who's oh, that a cop? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Instead yeah. of looking at the plate and seeing that it isn't a government plate. Yeah, you're the like, worst, it has the light on the side. The worst people jail. in the world in drive those, yeah. <laughs> so we, I was riding in that car. This is, this will show you how fucking deviant we are. As we're driving, I just noticed people were jamming on the brakes in front of us and we're like, oh, they think we're cops. So we'd ride their butts and scare them. And they'd be looking in the rearview mirror and get out of the way. And we're giggling. I was like, hey, what did we put on my Coast Guard uniforms? They're blue. Perfect idea. Yeah, there you go. Go impersonate a cop. <laughs> and ride people's so asses. we literally parked in parking lots, had my Coast Guard. This is how stupid we were. Sat there in cars. As they're going by thinking we're running right on. We'd laugh. And tears Did Randy out. do this with you? So Randy was in the back. Randy's like, we got to get this on film. So Randy starts filming it. Well, then <laughs> we were like, we ought to do a spoof on cops. Because cops came out, I think, in 84, 85. Yeah. <laughs> and I was a huge fan. I mean, just fucking just every. Yeah. Every time I was on, I was on every Saturday night. I was just like fixated. And because I wanted to be a cop at the time. <laughs> so yeah. I go, hey, we ought to film a spoof. So Beverage Junior High up off 120 between Pacific and center. So I tell my brother, older brother, I go, hey, I made this fake bag of Coke, like powder, or I mean flour, put some duct tape around it and gave it to Randy and my brother. I go, just go up in the lot, we're in profit. Bobby and, and, and me will just drive into the parking lot and you guys are over doing a drug deal and we'll be filming it from afar. So I had another <laughs> buddy of mine filming and we come pulling in and I, I'm playing Sergeant Frank Cole. And again, this is 1991, 92. And we come pulling to the parking lot. And I go, let's back up over here. That was my character voice. That was, that was uh, <laughs> like that. Frank T. Cole. Go back up. And I got <laughs> my hair slicked back Cole. and a fake fat suit on with shooter glasses, yellow. And so we back up and I go, what do we got? What do we got? And they zoom in and I see they're like 69 up. That's what we call it. As cops, you roll up next to each other. So, you can <laughs> so these, it's terrible. So uh, they're 69 up, my, uh, Randy and my brother, and they're bullshit. We got a 69. We got a 69. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this car drives around them, and I'm getting pissed because I'm like, this is part of this. You're blowing the fucking scene, even though we don't know what we're doing. It's going to be videoing. Fucking like amateurs this, out here, this, dude. <laughs> this bag of Coke that gets exchanged. I'm like, what do we got here? So all of a sudden, uh, the car drive stops momentarily and then drives off out of the parking lot. And as they do, Randy goes, fall that car. He's got a real bag of Coke. <laughs> And I go, what? and then I break character. I go, okay, this is for real. I go, follow that car, Bobby, follow that car. We chase this car. We're such idiots. We chase it through, and you hear the the engine, this old trooper view, <laughs> up and over the hill. And this guy's trying to evade us and go shoot a neighborhood. We don't have lights on or anything. And all of a sudden, the guy panics, pulls over. And as he pulls over, we're rolling up. Bobby goes to pull in front of him. I go, I'm not getting out of the fucking car. I got a <laughs> yeah. You're like, we're not real cops. I got a yeah, cops. I'm wearing a costume. I got a bath towel tucked in my shirt as a big belly. I go, what do we do? I go, back up, back up. So he backs up next to him. And I have my hand out. I go, roll the window down. And the guy's got dark circles under his eyes and looking all shifty and shit. Looking at the <laughs> camera. And it was, I got this tape somewhere. Oh, and I go, uh, what do we got going on here? And he goes, well, what do you mean? And he's all pasty, white, and sweaty. I go, you got a driver's license on you? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's staring at me, staring at the camera. And, uh, and I go, well, we have an undercover officer working up in the parking lot. I said, you had a real bag of Coke on you? Is this true? And he goes, no, sir. I don't have any cocaine. And I go, all right, well, listen. And I'm trying not to laugh. I think a couple times you hear me. <laughs> I go, all right, well, listen, we got your name. I got your ID, and I'm writing this information on your plate number. We'll be in touch. And he goes, he goes driving off. And then immediately, we, ah, you see that chicken shit asshole? We're laughing, high-fiving. So we finish this thing up and do these stupid other skits, and we burn a copy of it, and we just steal the front end of cops. Bad boys, but and that leads into this stupid, yeah, terrible parody. That's so like would you use minutes. to edit it? I think I just had two uh, Mitsubishi VHS decks <laughs> okay. and it would get the speed, you know, really were set up as editing decks. So I yep. edit back and forth 
And we give the tape to my brother's girlfriend's brother at the time went to KU. He takes that tape down to KU and it goes viral. Back before viral was even yeah. a VHS thing. viral. VHS viral. Yeah. And I'll never forget, I would be downtown. I was in a couple bars and there were people I knew. It's Sergeant Cole, Frank Cole. And it became this hit. And then people were like, you're going to make another one? I'm going to know. So that friend of mine, Mike Meehan, who did stand comedy, we sunk like $2,500 into it. KXVO at the time had their creature feature, silly show, whatever it was at night. <laughs> and they played our clips in between. Oh, yeah. Those oh that's at the awesome. End, like the Tracy Ullman show. Yeah. With the, with, or the uh, Simpsons yeah. got their start, right? So they were showing those clips. Then we were trying to get our own show locally. And then Thrasher, Trevor, my partner here at 88 Tato, came along. He loved it. It was a huge cult classic. He was like, man, I've got an inheritance from my grandfather. I got like 60 grand. Let's sink it into this thing. And we wrote the scripts and then filmed it uh, down in Bellevue. And That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So that so when you did the main pilot for the fuzz, mm -hmm. was that... How much like how much time had passed from when you were doing five years when you, when you were scaring the little shit out of civilians? <laughs> so it turned and it turned out this guy was <laughs> a neighbor. Like, yeah. He was a neighbor of mine, and he was had a well known name. Was, it's always like the same. it's like the guy next door. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, man. So it was he actually was, my dad, and that's what made him stop doing drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was 1996. Uh, 96 is when we put it together. Okay, we filmed it, and then. There was an agent out in Hollywood that got a hold of it. And it was uh, 45 minutes? Was 54 minutes, yeah, to be exact. Pretty long. So, mm -hmm. um, but in what year was it? 90, 96. So, 96, putting together a pilot, and I've seen it, and you can, we'll put a link to it down below. I, I don't think so. There is, uh, there is many parts that. Made no, but me you know, you watch that. that stuff, and I'm like, God, oh, I, mean, I yeah. could probably trim it down to 20 minutes. Yeah. Just the really, really funny scenes. Maybe um, I'll do that. That'd be kick out. That'd be fun. Yeah. Somebody who knows I how bet to edit. I could, yeah, I yeah. Should, I'm going to do yeah. that because I'll just pull it and off. And somebody who's tab. objective because, you know, yeah. I mean, you're, you're the outsider and has a common right. timing. And, and I always tell like people that, you know, want to learn how to edit. I'm talking to a kid right now. I'm like, you have to cut out the things that you love. Like, because I can see like on. he sent me something and I'm like, all right. Yeah, these are beautiful shots. I'm like, this is just too mm -hmm. long. You got to get to the punch quicker. And they're just in there because you yeah. like them. But even if you like it, you got to cut totally it out. Totally right. Because even like the podcast I was editing last night, there was like a part that, you know, I liked, but I'm like, this just doesn't fit. Yeah. And it was me, something that I was doing, you know, and yeah. it, I had to cut it out. Yeah. Even though normally you'd be like, well, I want to put myself in there. But you, yeah. you have to be that objective. It was, you know, it's funny. So when we shot that back in 96, 97, and my partner is Jeff began, and he plays Tim Kilpatrick, who's a, um, a rookie. And the whole storyline is, well, why would cops, the, the film crew, come in and film some bumbling cops? The storyline was my father was the mayor, and I was this jackass cop that never should have gotten hired and, of course, have been promoted because of who my dad is. <laughs> my dad has brought me up through this department, and everybody hates me. I'm the laughing stock of the department. So they put a new recruit with me, and he's my field training. I'm his field training officer. And Jeff, we had this is back before those Billy Bob teeth. We had a dentist make these fake teeth for my cousin. So oh, wow. he plays Tim, yeah, Tim Kilpatrick, and he's just really unsure of himself. <laughs> and Jeff does a beautiful job, and he's always questioning what I'm saying. Sarge, are you sure? And I'm like, shut up, Tim. And I was yelling at him, abusing. I was the fuck wondering out of him. those teeth were great. Like, yeah, was, that's awesome. Yeah, they're awesome. Dentist. Had a dentist you guys, make you guys those. went all out. Oh yeah, it was badass. And we released, we released it. And when I say release, we put it out on VHS, but we had our big debut and we were showing it at places. And I was really worried because one of the scenes was, I can't imagine how it's going to go over now, but it was a scene where it's the handicapped bandit. Yeah. Going to a robbery in progress by a handicapped bandit. It was down at Charlie's on the Lake that was Trevor's um, uncle that owned that. So we're using all of the resources that we can yeah, get our hands this, on. This Connections. Is, I so think the show is hilarious. We come pulling into the parking lot and we're responding to this handicapped bandit. He's been robbing uh, restaurants, uh, gunpoint. And he's got felony warrants. We come pulling in. As we're responding, you see in the background, there's the handicapped van. Well, maybe they caught him up. Nope. There he goes. He's loading it up. Oh, oh there he is. There he is. You some bitch. You some bitch. I'm getting the shotgun out. It's a pursuit that goes on forever, and it cuts to different like 
like time periods, like it's been going on for 30 minutes on just a highway. <laughs> and I'm looking at it, I go, oh, that over there is a such and such. I'm just talking like it's a tour. And all of a sudden I go, oh, he wrecked out, he wrecked out. And he's in a tree and you see him out and he's getting back out of the road and he's in a wheelchair. <laughs> and he's and he's in front of me and I try to get next to him and he cuts me off. You son of a bitch, you cut me off. He kept cutting me off. I go, give me a shotgun. <laughs> I get the shotgun, I roll up next to him and I go, I'll blow his fucking tire out. And I hang it out and I go, boom, and shoot his tire out of the, wheel, the wheelchair, right? Can you tell if my barrel's dirty? Yeah. Okay. He, now see, it's so in your head. You, you and picture. Jeff. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. But did you and Jeff ride it together? Yeah, Trevor. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Trevor. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of it. I mean, I would say probably thirty percent was written. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Maybe then the rest, like, kind of like an outline. Yeah. We do three, four cuts. And be like, that's the best one. And you, Jeff, would say something funny. I'm like, go with that. Let's run with that. So he's the wheelchair flips over. This is terrible. And he's dragging himself with his arms, right? Dragging his legs behind him. And I go, I'm in pursuit, <laughs> right? And I, I go over and I just put my foot on his feet and stop him. Yeah. I go, yep, I got him. <laughs> I caught him. And we place him in cuffs and I leave him there for the vultures to eat him. It's just, it's so, I don't know how it would go over today. Uh, it go over awesome. Is that For twisted? me, it's so yeah. funny, dude. Yeah, because yeah, you have a sick sense of humor. I know, <laughs> I know. Dude, I, yeah, I did this uh, show in the middle of Nebraska not too long ago, and he's like, this uh, old farmer comes up to me, and he's like, funny shit, man. Funny shit, but you fucked up. You <laughs> fucked did. in the head. What? Yeah, I just, he just, said you're fucked up. He did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. thank you. I was so, like, thanks, man. Appreciate it. So that tape got passed around in Hollywood, correct? Yeah. So, well, mm -hmm. real quick, I was curious, like the. So, how did you guys in in that year, you know, raise the money to film it? Because you told me how much just to edit it. It was all Trevor. Was. Trevor. Well, Trevor, yeah, he said front it, of the cash. It was yeah. Oh, he, he got it from his yeah. grandparents. You said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So it was my original idea. Uh, Trevor put a ton of time into it as well. He's a stud and he's got a great sense of humor. Um, and the two of us wrote that. And then Jeff, of course, had a big part in writing and directing it too because of the improvisational piece. Mm -hmm. um, but Trevor, I got handed to him. He sunk all the money into it. And then where did, uh, who'd you guys have to edit it at the time? Andy Anderson was his name. Okay. Uh, and then after Andy, it was another guy, um, uh, Travis, who went to, went to the same high school, real nice guy, but he worked through Godfathers, his stepfather owned Godfathers at the time. And he was the guy that did all the commercial work. So we would go after hours, he would, we'd be in their editing studio wow. off of 90th and Dodge Street yeah. at the Godfather's corporate offices. We'd go in there. <laughs> so you got that, dude. You got that it. was like 30 grand, 30, $40,000 in just editing. Yeah. I mean, from deck to deck, of course, it really took a lot. And that was, there was some animated graphic stuff that he did. And there was some some sound that we had to add. You had to do the spoof cops, you know, Bad Boys song. Um, but yeah, so we got done with it. And like an idiot, I took the pilot and I mailed it to Comedy Central. I literally still have the the original letter from the developer, director of development for Comedy Central saying, we received your tape. This is 1998. Thanks so much. We're not interested at this time. And then a couple months, three months later, this uh, Hollywood agent, Bo Carson is his name, reached out to us and said, hey, you guys have caught lightning in a bottle. Um, I'd like to fly out here. I want to meet with a bunch of studios. Yeah. So we lined up like 12 different studios. It was uh, Pursuit Productions who did uh, World's Wildest Police Videos. Um, so Tim Gibbons, he was the... He was the the shit at the time, right? So you had Tim Gibbons, Pursuit Productions. Then you had um, Shop Till You Drop was another one. I can't remember the name of the production company. Dick Clark Productions. And uh, keep it up, Randy. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably because my eyes. I shouldn't have shifted yeah. my eyes. Oh, I can I see knew. it every corner. Oh, you could? And I smelled a Whopper with cheese, so I figured it was him. What's up, Randy? Um, so, <laughs> What's up, so, dude? So we went out and we met with like 10, 11 different um, uh production companies and they were all like vying for it. They were all fighting for it. No joke. So our agent's like, listen, you know, this is going to create a fight. He goes, you guys are new Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. And this is back when Goodwill hunting. They oh, were like, wow. Oh my God, blowing all the smoke. We went to comedy central and I swear to God, before we went into comedy central as we're pulling up out front, he goes, if you get ripped off, these are the guys that are going to rip you off. I swear. He said that I couldn't believe it. So we go in and they were the only production company out of all the eight, nine, ten other ones we went to that said they weren't interested. 
And then a year, year and a half later, and I'd sent the scripts to them as well, like a jackass. A uh, year and a half later, they came up with Reno 911. Now, I'm not saying that they stole it, but... Yeah. But 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 I'm saying that they stole yeah. it because it lines up perfectly. Because the script and the characters, we had the the uh, the gay guy uh, lieutenant. We had the flamboyant female. Yeah. With you the just got You watch the fuzz and you yeah. know it's like yeah. it's just it's this is in a desert. Yeah, they screwed us. And, and they then, put and they put them in like bikini shorts. Yeah, they were they were uh, deputies yeah. as opposed to PD. Right. Right. So. Trevor and I flew out there, met up with, um, we were trying to meet with some inter- entertainment attorneys probably five years later, and none of them would touch it. They wouldn't touch it. They're like, it's conflict of interest, conflict. They're all tied in. Yeah. So they probably called Comedy Central. They're like, they're here. I'm sure. Yeah. But I have all the documentation <laughs> that shows. I mean, we sent the video, I think, nowadays. That's why I don't take videos from anybody because they want to avoid any kind of lawsuits. Right, right. I was but just, I have irrefutable proof that they got our tape yeah. three years before they came up with Reno 911. Yeah, I was in um, LA, you know, this last June. And after the show, this guy put together this package. It was awesome for a baseball movie and like put so much time into it and like baseball cards, like all this story about the Oakland A's. And in the middle was the, uh, the script. Well, this one of the, main you know like a real powerful agent for caa i believe it is um he's like don't read it do not read that really you know because basically <clears throat> if you read it and then later on you do make a baseball movie mm-hmm. and maybe you're subconscious in there you have like a little bit of a scene you'll just get sued so they avoid oh, yeah. Yeah. i guess and then that they told me yeah. that's why it's so hard to break in to hollywood as a writer yeah they don't take because like people scripts. will not yeah. read them so, were you working in uh, Omaha when cops came through? When they had the shooting, where the sound sound members? Well, shot, was did they come through before that? the The reason I'm asking is because I, I talked to a cop once, and I said, "Would you ever let them ride with you?" And he goes, "No," because I know some guys who did. And he said the the cops crew is yeah, very they instigators. Him. He oh, said yeah. that they'd be like, yeah. "Ooh, that car looks like it could be something. You should pull them over, find something." Yeah. And obviously, you know, if you drive behind somebody, they're going to get nervous and make oh, a yeah. mistake at some point. Well, it's that whole cinema verite style, right? And then it's like the uh, reality TV. It's not reality TV. It's all scripted. Yep. So you know that they have a huge hand in on telling the story yeah. and what direction it's going to go. And I, and I would imagine cops is identical to that. Do you know, you know, there was a sound man who was shot and killed, right? Yeah. At that, was it Wendy's? So oh, I, I don't mean to make light of that, but in our video years <laughs> previous, we may have been the ones that cursed that sound man. You, you prophesized. <laughs> we, because we had a scene, the very end scene, right? Brent? The very end scene we're bailing out. It's an actual thunderstorm. It's not raining yet. There are two cruisers. It's chaotic. We made it look chaotic on purpose. And it's a, a robbery in progress. And I'm all hyped up and I'm yelling. And you see all this lightning and we're adding the thunder effects. And it's really kind of this chaotic, hyped up scene. And we come rolling in another cruiser. Frank, you got the right side. You got that. I go, I got it. I got it. Come on, Tim. Tim is running ahead of me down the left side of this building. And the lightning's going, and boom, you hear the thunder, and he's got the shotgun. And all of a sudden, the camera's trailing me, and Tim turns around, and he goes, look out behind your sides, like, gosh, boom, and shoots with a blank <laughs> round that's loud as fuck. And a cameraman drops, and he falls on his side. I go, Tim, you just shot the cameraman. You just shot the cameraman. And I walk up, and the camera's on its side, still filming. You see me with my flashlight shining. I go, you see who that is? That's a cameraman. You just killed him. <laughs> you and somebody goes, Frank, what's up? I go, oh, Tim, he just killed he just killed the cameraman. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you're, look outside. There's another one, another one. Boom. And I go, oh, my God, you just shot the sound man. <laughs> and they're like, what happened? I go, I just killed the cameraman and sound man. <laughs> literally 1996 oh man yeah that's a good way to end like this show though that's a pretty creative yeah. way honestly like you killed the crew i like that yeah 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 yeah, yeah. And the yeah. camera's down yeah, and fantastic and how long was it after that that you became a cop so that would have been 19 <laughs> really good i'm doing the shit and then i yeah. become a cop a real cop i was gonna say how Smart. did that not affect yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it did. is that what you showed the did video you, in you, the academy they played they did it? the video when That's i went awesome. through the law enforcement. Oh. they had no idea who i was right so i went through the, the nebraska law enforcement training center nletc out in grand island 
And I get out there and there's multiple agencies. So there's two of us, two of us from Douglas County that are going through, excuse me. And then there's Bellevue PD, some of the guys from Papillion. And OPD has its own academy, but there'd be Sarpy County. So it'd be an eclectic group or a big mix of agencies all over the state of Nebraska. So there's like 80 of us, maybe, I suppose maybe 100 people in a class, maybe not that many. But so of 1998, and I'm sitting in one of the classes, I can't remember what it was, and they start playing my video. They start playing fuzz <laughs> of what not to do as a cop. And I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, the instructor goes, holy shit, he's going to be a and cop. And I'm like, I start looking down, he goes, that's him. That's him. You're Sergeant Cole. We heard you were coming through. That's right. He was coming through the academy. I was like, oh, my God. So they played the <laughs> whole the thing. Odds? And they still did you to feel, this day. Did you feel embarrassed at first? But then, like... Uh, just because you were in the academy, you know? I thought it might hurt me. Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought it might hurt yeah. me because of the stupid shit that we did it right, did yeah. in the video. I'm like, listen, I'm not I'm not gonna go and violate rights. <laughs> yeah. At least not on camera. <laughs> that I, that's I'm not kidding. me. That uh, yeah. that's not. <laughs> nope. I wouldn't do that in real life. Maybe once. <laughs> I'll give the hand to get people that yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I won't know not shoot to shoot guy. the tires. <laughs> you pit maneuver. You bump the back end with your cruiser. So I, uh, <laughs> so I got into Douglas County and was a regular road, well, worked courthouse and then road patrol deputy and then became a canine handler and worked the interstate then for years and, and then left Douglas County to start a security company, um, Signal 88 Security, founded that in 03 and then left Douglas County in 08. Uh, would have been, yeah, 10 years full-time. And then I went to Bennington PD to maintain my creds to work part-time. So I'd work one, two, three shifts a month. Yeah. And they just retired this past December. Oh, wow. Yeah. I see. So to kind of roll this into <laughs> our, our next interview, we're going to be talking to your childhood buddy, Randy. So, you know, at what point in time was he like, we're going to Hollywood and you decided not to go? Was it after you got screwed over by Comedy Central? Mm, like, I think it was before. It was before. Yeah, it was before. Yeah, I left. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> this is going to be a great How could you interview. do that to your friend? Uh, well, I mean, you'll get to know him here <laughs> shortly, so you'll see why. At the end of the podcast, you're going to be like, I get it. I would have done the same. I get it. Yeah. I've been trying to So what did myself. you tell him when you, what was your reason for not going? I, uh, I had to have a real job. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I needed to, it was funny because we had this conversation not long ago. I'll never forget my mom is the most supportive person on the absolute planet, but she threw a curveball. Because years before that, where I remember saying, I want to be an actor. And she goes, oh, she mocked me. That's not my mom, which is bizarre. She goes, I want to be an actor. And I remember, I remember looking at her like, Dude, you betrayed me. Yeah. I was like, I thought you loved me. You know that Quentin Tarantino's mom did that to uh, no, him really? with being a writer? Like, he, really? he would be writing in school, and she read it, and she was like, oh, you're going to be a writer? Yeah. Write some stuff down? So he's actually recently in an interview, yes. he said, well, when I make it, I will never give her a dime. And he never, he never bought her anything. Thing, except he said he did get her out of an IRS jam. But he held that grudge. Like, you're going to mock a 13-year-old kid in his fucking dreams? You will die alone in an unmarked grave. I am Tarantino. No, I swear to God. That is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. that's a true story. Yeah, that, gonna, I got to carry this a little yeah, bit Yeah, I just read the article. They're like, He's like, yeah, I haven't given her shit. Well, listen, I know that had I gone to Hollywood, she's probably right. I would have failed miserably. This guy's talented. But for me, she I don't know. It's impressive that you made some something from <laughs> Omaha in the 90s yeah. on analog machines and then got the attention of Hollywood. So you can't say if you would have went out, you would have failed because you got their attention. Yeah. And uh, I mean, basically when, you know, shit was real primal. I think all of the experiences that, that I've been fortunate enough to have had, whether they've been good or bad, have made me into the person I am today. Those failures are really what mold you. You know, hitting those obstacles and figuring out a way over and never giving up is why. I, and and plus surrounding myself with incredible people. You're only as successful as the people you surround yourself with. Yeah. Absolute firm believer in that. There are so many different things that I don't do well that I have to rely on other people. And I, I'm very blessed that I have, I'm able to pitch the vision of the things that I want to do. And, and there are people that trust me, that believe in me. Yeah. And jump on and we do it together because I could never do this on my own. I couldn't. 
I got did, um, you know, were there, were there moments in time while in the early stages of building this where you, you know, didn't think it was going to work or oh, yeah. felt like, what am I doing? What's even to this the point? Day, even yeah. to this day. I mean, it's, that's crazy, man. Yeah. There's, there are numerous challenges that, that affect you that are beyond your control. You know, the economy, uh, we're in a recession right now and it depended upon who's running the country and what's going on or if it's COVID. There are all these curveballs that are thrown at you. There's no guarantee that whatever great idea you come up with, it could be an absolute, I think in, and we're very, knock on wood, we're very successful right now, but we could be a hell of a lot more successful in a great economy. You know, yeah. I just think that we would be in a different place if the circumstances were better. But the fact that we can survive and then some and do well in an environment like this just indicates to me that we would we would do even better when things turn around. Yeah, that starting up something it's like that valley of death and that's you know as we're starting up this that's what you're going through where you 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 look at what you've made and you're like this is so good i know this will work but then you're sitting there by yourself at 11 o'clock at night and that's where that thought hits you that just you know hits you to your bones and you're like oh man (laughs) you know so yeah you get you get to a crossroads you're like am i am i just wasting my time is this going to be just a slow burnout you know am i wasting my money wasting my time am i going to put myself in a worse position down the road if i continue i'll never forget somebody had said to me i don't see how you can do it with millions and millions of dollars on the line and how you sleep at night and i don't think of it that way for me if i stop and i think about like what we have we have over 200 employees here if i start thinking about the payroll and i think about what we pay each month um i, I it could get me a little freaked out <laughs> yeah you know no but kidding. what freaks me out even more is doing the mundane, going to a job that I have to go to five days a week, you know, and maybe even a second job. And then having them tell me when I can or can't take time off. Right. And having to collect vacation time. I become so spoiled because I've, I've been a business owner for 20 years now. I've been, well, no, I can't say that since 08 is when I left the sheriff's office. So what is that? 15 years. So for 15 years, I've earned my own income and been my own boss. I don't think I could ever have anybody tell me what to do. Literally, I remember having to sit in classes for each year. You'd have to put an X number of hours, you know, with the police department uh, that you had to for, for um, a course, you know, taking classes, I think 21 hours or whatever. And I'd have to sit in that fucking class. Yeah. And I couldn't get up and leave. If I'm sitting downstairs, I could, I'm like, I'm the boss. So I can get up. I've, I'm yeah. so ADHD. And I just got to constantly get up and move around that I'm locked in a classroom. I'm like, this is yeah. tor- torture. That is, that is me Eight to hours. a T. I, yeah. I, I you, love yeah, yeah. to a T. Oh, like, I hate it. Like pacing around, yeah. you know, if I'm just like. Looking at my phone. I, yeah. 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 Just, I love the honesty, shade because, you know, as, as somebody who, I mean, today is my first time meeting you, you know, and it's like. I drive by the facility. I see this and you know, your thought is thinking like those guys never worry. They have it figured out. They got oh, the yeah. beautiful facility. They got the memberships. They're the talk of the town. You know, I know so many people that train here. You know, I would think like that guy, he's, you know, he doesn't have any doubts. That guy right. has no insecurities, no self doubt, none of that. So I love it when people can be honest, be like, yeah, I get scared sometimes, <laughs> you oh, know? Yeah. yeah. I have a lot of ups and downs and I get, you get worried. It's like if you've ever gambled, like playing craps and I suck at it but you got enough. I've out done there. one time. You're and like, I, pull it, yeah. pull it right. You panic. It's just like finding the right time. When do you sell a, a, a stock? Right. When, yeah. do, when is enough enough? And we're not making the money that people think that we're making. People have no idea. Business is so fucking tough. I mean, 10 years I've been at this and I'm still not at the point where I can just relax yeah. and making the money that I want to make because you're constantly building, building, building. And then when we go to build other locations and we finally become, you know, uber profitable here, that money gets pushed to the next location. Yeah. And if the, the goalpost gets moved further and further and further, and then it's, well, I'm 55. When am I going to be done? When, how, how far can I go? How long can I go before this ends up? Yeah. And plus, my you know, a, a salaried $40,000 employee is really an 80 to $100,000 employee when you start factoring in benefits oh, and yeah. stuff like yeah. that, you know, insurance, yeah. all that well, stuff. Well, your $40,000, $50,000 employees are now $60,000, $70,000 employees. Yeah. You know, after COVID, things just went through the roof. Yeah. And if you want to attract talent, like good people, just regular people, you've got to be paying at least fifty, sixty thousand. dollars Yeah. And if you want the really talented folks and you want to put golden handcuffs on them, it's 80, 90 grand. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. 
Listen, <laughs> we pay you $600 a month. Just be happy with yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. That's it. You were you, here, get, you were supposed to be here 12 hours yesterday. So let's start and, with that. And you can uh, sleep in the gym. Yeah. And so, just curled up on a listen, bench. It's free. Yeah. Open 24 hours a day, seven <laughs> days a week. Just drag a cotton there, Randy. It's a good deal. Do you think I could get a part of that deal? <clears throat> no. Oh, all right. Sorry. Sorry Not for asking. <laughs> well, this is an awesome conversation. We'll, uh, we'll have you on again. Yeah, I and mean, there's it. so much to mine there. Dude. You know, like even like the part about, you know, talking about your time busting traffickers and stuff that we we're just talking about privately. Like those stories are all Shay, you and I could probably, we could probably do a whole hour of you and I just leaned in talking about tactics, like me just like picking yeah. your brain and being like, hey, I heard this. Does well, this I got a guy for you. I'll tell you, you got to interview Trevor. So Thrasher is one of my business partners and Trevor and I have been buddies 30 plus years. He was Omaha SWAT. Uh, yeah, Still a cop. He's been a cop 30 plus years. Guys, and we call him the tactical mad scientist. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, we, plus, we, yeah, we got to talk to that retired guy. Green Beret. Uh, yes, so, dude. I'm I'm obsessed oh, with the special forces okay, right now because go. they are the people to talk to when a society yeah. is collapsing because that's their specialty. Well, Trevor trained through RBWI as well. And oh, connected no, all those guys. Yeah, you? we definitely yeah. need to talk to that guy. We can fill up. I'll fill up six hours with yeah. him. So, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, Trevor's the guy that's come up with a high threat um, CQB that is uh, has been adopted by the state of Nebraska. Yeah. So his methodology on room clearing. Because he's had a mixture of this laboratory of violence. Yeah, being yeah. A contractor overseas for Blackwater and a bunch of other companies working for the CIA. Um, and then, of course, combat deployed three times, Special Forces, National Guard, 35 years, I think. Special yeah. Forces, 24, 25 years. He's a stud. Yeah. And then being a cop, still a cop, he's working up in a different jurisdiction now. And that's amazing. Give That'd me, he's be, my age, 55. Yeah, just the name Green Beret is <coughs> so cool, you know. Yeah. When you well, hear it, everybody's like. Just that yeah. Thrasher. Yeah. Thrasher, Green Barrasher. I try to say special forces so that they know that I that I know because they're technically special forces. And some guys are like, I'm not a hat. Because <laughs> that's where it came from, the name, right? The 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 Green Beret hat is what they wear. Yeah. So it depends on who you're talking to. Some guys call themselves Green Berets. Some say special forces. Yeah. From my experience. From what yeah. I, He'll go know. back and forth. I'm, but yeah. he's a guy to have on your podcast. You want to talk yeah. about tactics. He, he is literally the stuff yeah. that he is created um the new york police department has adopted his methodology in the academy that's amazing on room clearing same with the state of ohio yeah. is basically all converted Iowa's in a process pretty cool yeah that is a art this is all an art form too you know yeah. Oh, yeah. completely oh, yeah yeah 100%. absolutely awesome yeah. well thanks, thanks so much man it was yeah. a pleasure yeah thank you a lot of fun Great, sorry, sorry.